folks. Welcome back to Dom Acker. This is Chris once again. Hey folks, welcome back to Chris Wine Africa here on the Indaba Africa, part of the Indaba Broadcasting Network on Wednesday. It's hump day, the 23rd of June, 2021. Thanks for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. We appreciate your patronage here on the channel. Let's get right to today's headlines for the Indaba Africa News of the Day, then some in-depth analysis on that news. Jacob Zuma's terrorist-funded legal fees. Oh, and the taxpayer, too. In a shocking article, the Business Maverick discloses claims that Jacob Zuma, coming out of the state capture inquiry, that his legal fees were funneled through terrorist money laundering networks by the Guptas. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up, people. You cannot make this stuff up. Only 27 of South Africa's 257 municipalities have a clean bill of health for the 2019-2020 audit. That's 10%. 26 billion rand in irregular spending has taken place in those municipalities. President Ramaphosa and the National Coronavirus Command Council will meet Thursday, tomorrow, the 24th of June, to discuss imprisoning South Africans. Emirates Airlines, part of continuing uh, travel lockdowns that the South African government is imposing, Emirates Airlines will not renew its flights to South Africa in June, now waiting until the 6th of July. Transat's National Ports Authority, the TNPA, will become an independent subsidiary. The reason, apparently, that Delta Airlines is not having its triangular route between Atlanta, Cape Town, Joburg, and back in that triangular fashion has to do with South Africa's protectionism and their lack of reciprocity, their, the way they protect their market, and the boneheaded lack of response from aviation authorities in South Africa. It's another example of a sleep at the wheel, governance run amok by people who are simply there to profit from your backside. In a horrifying story, unfortunate, uh, 180 unclaimed infant, infant bodies are cremated in Vintok to make room. 180. The horrifying story there is that 180 infants are unclaimed. President Buhari in Niger, what's going on there? Buhari continues to look north with investments and attention to his impoverished neighbor to the north. And Nigerians are asking why. President Buhari, Twitter and the Economic Community of West African States, ECOWAS. What's the latest there? Paul Rusabagina is on trial for terrorism in Rwanda. You may not recognize that name, but the movie Hotel Rwanda should get your attention. He's the gentleman who sheltered people in the Hotel Rwanda. He was abducted and brought back to Rwanda recently. <clears throat> Although authorities claim he wasn't abducted, he was simply tricked into flying on the charter flight. Whatever the case is, he's now undergoing a controversial trial in Rwanda for terrorism-related charges. At least 43 people are dead in an air attack at Togoga Village in Tigray. CNN claims <clears throat> that Speaker Pelosi will move forward with her witch hunt commission over the 6th January events. And the Democratic Party's unconstitutional power grab fails in a entirely partisan 50 to 50 vote in the Senate, failing to reach 60 votes to move beyond a filibuster. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says, call me radical. Well, I have some other choice words to call you, but that's not one of them. And the White House admits that it will fail to reach its arbitrary July 4th goal of giving the jab to 170 million Americans. A big early lead for New York City mayoral candidate Eric Adams vanishes overnight. Uh, Yang, Andrew Yang, the failed, boring, uninspiring presidential candidate comes in fourth place in the New York City race and withdraws. Meanwhile, on the Republican ticket, Curtis Slewa, the founder of the Guardian Angels back in the 70s, Curtis Slewa has won the Republican nomination for mayor of New York. And Warren Gatlin, the 
former Wales coach and coach of the British and Irish Lions, says, no hugging Japanese. Asian hate crime? <laughs> Not really. Just uh, medical advice for the upcoming British and Irish Lions tour, which begins this weekend with its first match against the Brave Blossoms. <laughs> Asian hate crime. Those are the headlines, folks. Let's get in-depth news and analysis right now. So the Guptas, Zuma, <laughs> terrorism. Who would have thought? Who would have guessed? According to Business Maverick, well, we should have been paying attention. <laughs> Gupta money was channeled along terrorist network and paid for Zuma's legal fees by Rebecca Davis. In a bombshell testimony at the Zondo Commission, it was revealed that money from the Gupta enterprise paid Jacob Zuma's arms deal legal fees even while the state was ostensibly footing the legal bill. It's also emerged that the Guptas made use of an international money laundering framework used to finance terrorism and drug cartels. <laughs> this stuff just gets, oh, an amount of... 60,676 rand and 37 cents was paid to settle an outstanding bill from Kemp with the funds channeled to Kemp through Gupta Front Companies, Homix, and Bapu Trading. This was the time the state was covering Zuma's legal fees as a result of an agreement reached during the presidency of Tabo and Becky, much to the displeasure of the Democratic Alliance, which succeeded in having the agreement overturned December of 2018. Exactly why Kemp was arbitrarily being paid twice for the same work is unclear, with Kemp having succumbed to covid 19 in January 2021, so we'll never get an answer from Kemp. In what evidence leader Matthew Chikalson termed another disturbing discovery, Holden also told the state capture inquiry that at least two of the Gupta's front companies were using a money laundering operation which had been used to launder money for international drug cartels and for terrorist groups, including Al-Qaeda. Payments were made by the firms Don Santo 133CC and True Haven into the Kanani money laundering organization, the brainchild of Altaf Kanani, known as the world's most wanted money launderer. The United States investigation established that the Kanani network is used for heinous criminal activities. Well, there you have it, folks. Jacob Zuma paid with money funneled through terrorist networks, according to the State Capture Commission. This this just is off the charts. And this guy's walking around. We know he's guilty of the crimes. We know he's guilty of corruption. I mean, as much as was determined in a court case nearly a decade ago in which his financial advisor, Sheikh Shabir, was found to be guilty. And that was clear based on the Judge Hillary's statement that obviously... Jacob Zuma committed the crimes. He accepted the money, knowing that they were corrupt, coming from defense fat manufacturers in France. <clears throat> Unbelievable, folks. Unbelievable. Speaking of corruption in South Africa, let's shift to South African municipalities, where audits for the 2019-2020 fiscal year have turned up only 10% of the cities with a clean bill of health. That means 90% of South Africa's municipalities have some sort of irregularity or suspected corruption ongoing. This is absolutely shocking. Now, of course, who controls over 90% of the municipalities in South Africa. Might that be the African National Congress? Indeed it is. Auditor General reveals 26 billion rand in irregular expenditures in municipalities. Cash-strapped councils across the country spent more than 1 billion on consultants to prepare their annual reports and financial statements. That's, that's a disgrace too. You should have in-house staff. This shouldn't take outside consultants to prepare your financial reports. Shows the lack of human capital because they hire inept, illiterate morons to work in their ministries or in their cities. <clears throat> Auditor General Tsakani Maluleka has reported that just 27 municipalities out of 257 across the country received clean audits for the 2019-2020 fiscal year. Told a joint meeting of Parliament Standing Committee for Public Counts and the Standing Committee for the Auditor General on Tuesday that 246 municipalities had a regular expenditure of 26 billion rand. She said they believe the figures could be higher as some financial statements were not credible or not submitted in time. So there you go. <clears throat> These cities not even submitting the documents asked of them by the auditor. South Africa is, is a failed country. It is a kleptocracy now. Nothing more than a kleptocracy. It's sad. 
60 million people captured by these, these corrupt venal politicians. Speaking of those politicians, President Cyril Ramaphosa, someone that not a single South African voted to be president, save the members of parliament, you didn't get to vote for him. It's a parliamentary process, like the prime minister. The title of president is ridiculous. He has presidential authority, yet he's not a president based on popular vote. Hmm. Or even an electoral vote. Ramaphosa and the National Coronavirus Command Council to discuss moving to higher lockdown levels. Answering media questions on Tuesday, he said it might be necessary for the government to review the lockdown. The issue of moving to another level will be discussed at the council and indications are the government will have to increase the measures that it puts in place to prevent the spread especially in Hauteng province. Travel restrictions are also now having an impact on flights to South Africa, including Emirates, which has now backed off a plan to renew flights to South Africa beginning in June. Here we are towards the end of June, one week left. They have not started. They were going to start this week, but will not do that now based on travel restrictions to the Southern African nation. Emirates will not resume flights until the 6th of July. At least that's the current plan. Expect that to be even longer based on Thursday's outcome. Prospect of a harder lockdown could see it lose South Africa lose out on potential Northern Hemisphere travel and tourism in the coming weeks. While international travelers suspend and restrictions, suspension and restrictions remain in place as so the country gets hit by yet another wave. The latest casualty is UAE-based airline Emirates, which this week walked back on a proposal to resume flights at the end of June. Flights will remain suspended until the 6th of July in line with government directives to restrict the entry of travelers into the UAE who come from South Africa. So those travel restrictions work both ways, South Africa. Keep that in mind. Transnet will be privatizing? Hmm, not really. Making independent? Not really. That's the story, but that's not the truth. Harboring good intentions, Transnet's ports to be co corporatized 15 years after legislation came into force. Almost 15 years after the National Ports Act came into effect on the 26th of November 2006, President Ramaphosa announced that Transnet National Ports Authority will be corporatized and establishes an independent subsidiary of Transnet SOC. So it's not going to be independent. That's just pure fiction. Pure fiction. And when you see that the government will still be responsible for reporting the board members, well, then you know that this is just... The company will have its own board of directors, which will be appointed by the Minister of Public Enterprises and not Transnet. This will create a clear separation between the roles of infrastructure owner, which is Transnet Ports Authority, and the terminal operator, which is Transnet Ports Terminal, Ramaphosa said at the announcement. Once again, the government <clears throat> completely defeating the whole idea, the whole concept of the purpose of a parastatal, of a state-owned enterprise, is so that you can control the sector so that you can provide services... For the benefit of the nation. Now, I don't agree with that, but that's the logic behind a state-owned enterprise. By doing the same thing here that they're doing to SCOM, by breaking in entities, all you're doing is creating more board positions, more places to stuff your corrupt, inept, illiterate, moronic cadres and fleece more money out of the pockets of South Africans and, in this case, of those doing business at South Africa Sports. This is not good. It's not better. It's being presented as better, but it's more corruption coming from the African National Congress. Surprise, surprise. Golly. Sergeant Carter. Unbelievable. And the real reason Delta Airlines is not flying the Cape Town, the Joburg, Cape Town, Atlanta route. They're not doing it because, not because they didn't want to, not because they can't get the aircraft, but because of protectionism and a refusal of the South African government to do its freaking job. Yeah, that's right. That's what's going on here. Awesome article, well written by Jay Sang for Simple Flying, says the real reason behind Delta Airlines cutting Cape Town. It recently announced a return to South Africa in August. Uh, the airline has maintained plans to run flights on a triangle route from Atlanta to Joburg to Cape Town to Atlanta. They abruptly reversed course on those plans just last week. Now, regulatory filings provide some detail as to the reason why the American carrier has axed its plans for Cape Town. Now, the issue here is that Johannesburg is at altitude and it's hot. And so the airline can only put so much cargo on the aircraft at that point. 
uh, compared to Cape Town, which is actually at sea level and it's not nearly as warm habitually, so they can load the aircraft more fully and then make more money off of the cargo that goes on it. Well, you can't do that if you only fly to Joburg and back, so that's a problem. You can take the cargo over, but coming back, it's going to be problematic. So that's why they want the triangular route. Not to mention, they also get the opportunity to pick up on tra travelers creating a new route who want to go from, say, from Joburg to Cape Town. Or people who want to go from the U.S. to Joburg or to Cape Town could take the single flight and accomplish both. You just have a stopover. Well, the U.S. allows South African Airways that right to do that. They, they, they don't fly, of course, but they have the ability, they have the authorization to fly to the United States and then fly to a different de destination. So say you have customers from South Africa who want to go to Los Angeles. South African could fly to Atlanta and disembark some passengers or, or keep them all and then continue on after refueling to go to Los Angeles. That's a normal course of events. But the South African authorities have not given reciprocity to the United States, and this is why Delta can't do it. This is protectionism, pure and simple. Using an Airbus A350-900, the airline wanted to fly to and from South Africa without needing to make a payload hit on its Airbus A350-900. However, it has been revealed the airline did not receive regulatory permissions needed to operate such flights. The airline filed with the South African Department of Transportation in May of 2020 for co-terminalization authority, which is what we're talking about, co-terminalization to run the route. May of 2020, over a year ago, they followed up with South African government, even got the U.S. government to reach out for an answer and approval. But unfortunately, the South African Department of Transportation informed the carrier and the Department of Transportation that Delta would not receive the necessary permissions to run the route, citing that the U.S. and South Africa's 1996 air transport agreement does not confer domestic co-terminalization rights for designated airlines of both countries. So they had to scrap the flight. But the problem with that, of course, is that the United States does give co-terminalization rights to South African Airways. <laughs> yeah. Now, South African Airways previously had approval to fly those routes, but they're not flying. So, disturbing news out of Vintok where bodies have been piling up in the morgue for ages and they've kept them there. 180 unclaimed infants. Who 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 has an unclaimed infant? I mean, you create a life and you have so little regard for it that you leave it in a morgue. Now, I'm sure that there are cases perhaps a, a mother may have may have died. Um there's no family members, uh, who knows. Um, other circumstances. More clear for COVID bodies, 180 unclaimed infants cremated. In order to make room, the City of Intel Minister of Health and Services started cremating corpses that have accumulated in the state mortuary. The council cremated 214 bodies last week, 180 of them from the health minister. The 189, nine were adults, seven were related to the pandemic. President Buhari and Niger, what's that all about? Well, let's chat about that. President Buhari has been working closely with Niger's neighbor to north. Now that's President Mamadou Isofu, who's no longer the president, but that's from 2015. It's an old photograph. What is it about President Muhammad Buhari's passion for his northern neighbor, the Republic of Niger? Is it economic, commercial logic, altruism, or just family and ethnic ties? Nigeria is committed to at least $4 billion of projects in Niger. In 2018, Nigeria and Niger signed a $2 billion deal to build a pipeline and a refinery. Now, Buhari's government wants to build a $2 billion railway from Kano in the northeast to Marathi in the south-central Niger. Well, it just makes good sense. Niger is one of the locations where Boko Haram has been operating out of, cross-border raids going in and out of both states. It's a habitually uh, low on the human development index, and there are uh, ethnic ties across the borders, and there's potential. There are um, marketable goods coming out of Niger, so it makes sense for Nigeria to tighten its relationship. But Nigerians are questioning why. Twitter, Buhari. And ECOWAS. And ECOWAS court <laughs> warns Nigeria over Twitter. President Buhari has assembled a reconciliation team to lead negotiations with Twitter more than two weeks after they indefinitely suspended 
the social media company's presence in Nigeria. The move came about after Twitter wrote the president seeking to engage with the federal government over the suspension. <laughs> oh, so, so Twitter seeks uh, YouTube. Hey, when I write to you, how about you respond to me? The announcement coincided with a ruling by the West African Regional Bloc ECOWAS barring the Nigerian government from arresting and prosecuting Nigerians and corporate bodies for circumventing the Twitter ban. Well, I think that that's actually a situation in which the ECOWAS court was right to step in and tell the government of Nigeria that it shouldn't be arresting citizens who are using a social media platform. The social media platform didn't violate any of Nigeria's laws. They simply were inappropriate in their conduct and their censorship of the president. That doesn't mean that Nigerians should be punished for using the site. If Twitter violated Nigerian law, then it'd be a different story. But uh, ECOWAS did the correct thing here for the citizens of Nigeria. In Rwanda, <clears throat> an ongoing terrorism trial, which may have a lot of folks really shocked about what's going on here. A gentleman known for the movie Hotel Rwanda with Don Cheadle and famously having saved the lives of many Rwandans during the genocide is on trial for terrorism. Rwanda prosecutors have requested a life sentence for the man who inspired the film Hotel Rwanda as he faces terrorism charges, while his family asserts that he faces mistreatment and an unfair trial. Paul Rusabagina, once praised for having saved hundreds of ethnic Tutsi from Rwanda's 94 genocide as a hotel manager, faces charges related to attacks by an armed group inside Rwanda in 2018 and 2019. The nine charges include the formation of an irregular armed group, membership in a terrorist group, and financing terrorism. They seek to link him to activities that killed at least nine people. Uh, he's a Belgian citizen and a U.S. resident has denied the charges, arguing his case is politically motivated in response to his criticism of Kagame. He alleges he was abducted last year while visiting Dubai and taken to Rwanda where he was charged, but a court ruled that he was not kidnapped when he was tricked into boarding a charter flight. Rwanda's government has asserted that uh, Rusasabeg Baginya is going, was going to Burundi to coordinate with armed groups based there in a neighboring Congo. The case has received global attention this month. The Lantos Foundation for Human Rights and Justice said it filed a formal submission in the U.S. recommending sanctions against Rwandan Justice Minister Johnston Businge and the head of the Rwanda Investigation Bureau, Colonel Jeannot Rutunga for their role in his detention. More violence in the ongoing conflict between the Ethiopian central government and the breakaway province of Tigray. Is it really breakaway? Not sure. But the violence continues in this war that started in November of 2020. 43 people at least die in an air raid on the northern village of Togoga. Dozens of people reportedly been killed after an air attack targeted a busy market in Ethiopia's northern Tigray village of Togogo on Tuesday, a day after residents said fighting had flared north of the regional capital of Makela. The bomb hit a market at about 1 p.m., according to a woman who told Reuters news agency her husband and two-year-old daughter were injured in the attack. This comes the day after Ethiopia's elections, in which 20% of the electorate weren't able to vote. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi unable to get a commission for her bizarre witch hunt on the continuing lie about the 6th of January, will start her own committee to investigate, according to CNN, who stands by their report, despite her denying it. This story by Manu Ruju and Jeremy Hab. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi plans to appoint a select committee to investigate the 6th January attack on the Capitol. Not an attack. Um after Senate Republicans blocked the creation of an independent commission to probe the insurrection, according to two sources familiar with the matter. All of the captured media are running around saying Republicans have blocked. No, Republicans haven't blocked. The rules created by Senate Democrats under Dingy Harry Reid, the former senator from Nevada, who created these rules for the filibuster, that's what prevented this abomination and anti-democratic federal power grab by the demonic Democratic Party. That's what prevented it from going to the floor for a vote, not Republicans. It would have taken, it would have taken the Democrats to get 60 seats or convince 10 Republicans, but they didn't do that. 
So don't blame Republicans. Senate Republicans blocked Democrats' sweeping voting bill and ethics bill. Senate Republicans blocked a sprawling Democratic voting rights and government ethics bill on Tuesday. See, the problem with that is it's not voting rights, it's voting theft. The Constitution does not allow for the federal government to administer our elections. Those are left to the independent states. See, there seems to be a clear disconnect between these demonic leftists who seem to think that government is the answer to everything, despite evidence that it's far from the answer to almost anything, almost anything except national defense. Very few things. Aviation safety, a few other things. Not much more beyond that. It can't manage Social Security. It can't manage health care. It can't manage its own way into a proper budget. Yeah, the government is not the answer. These demonic leftists are convinced that it is when it's not. And the federal government doesn't have the authority to run elections. The states have sovereignty, and that is forgotten by the leftists. They've tried to usurp state sovereignty for well over a century, and they're getting away with it. Ever since the American Civil War, their fear that states would have more power than the central government has driven their insanity. And it continues to drive their insanity today. This is a union of states not a central government that rules over its people. Although it's become one, it's become a tyrannical central government that needs to be reined in. The executive branch violates the Constitution on a daily basis, and frankly, it doesn't matter who the chief executive is, whether it's Obama, Trump, or Biden, they continue to violate the Constitution. The Congress has abrogates responsibility, blaming everyone else, making new laws, not enforcing previous laws that it has, interfering in the executive branch, interfering in the judicial branch. The judicial branch is captured, making nonsensical rulings that violate the very spirit and law and word of the Constitution. So this democracy-robbing, abomination piece of legislation, House of Representatives Bill 1, Senate Bill 1, is not going to the floor for a vote in the Senate. Thank God. Democrats have called for the People Act, the For the People Act. Yeah, it's, it's Steal from the People Act. Necessary as GOP-led state legislatures have passed a string of restrictive voting laws where Republicans have framed it as a federal takeover of elections. In this case, the Republicans are correct. The Democrats are just lying and lying. You know, they must have difficulty walking through doorways because Pinocchio's nose just gets so long, you bump into everything. Failed bartender who can't balance her checkbook or pay her credit card bill until the taxpayer began picking up the tab for her. That would be one Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the clueless representative in the House of Representatives from New York, whose key success in her first term as a freshman member of the House was to ensure that Amazon didn't bring 35,000 high-paying jobs to her district, creating an ecosphere of hundreds of thousands of people benefiting from it. But that's what she achieved. Yeah, and so the morons there voted her back into office. Yeah, well, now she says, don't call me a radical. Or you can't call me a radical. Yeah, call me a radical. U.S. Representative Alexander Ocasio-Cortez slammed Republican successful filibuster. Uh, it wasn't a filibuster. They, they can't vote of the Democrats' sweeping voting rights bill on Tuesday, saying she doesn't think a majority lawmaker should have a minority. It's not a minority, moron. See, once again, she has the inability to use simple mathematics. 50 to 50 is not a minority. It's balanced. How do you get a minority? Call me a radical, but I do not believe a minority of senators should be able to block voting for rights of millions of people. First off, it's not. It's protecting the rights of the entire country. And 50 to 50 is not a minority. 51 to 49 there's a minority. 50 to 50 is parity. I realize that math skills are not your strong suit, despite your, your illustrious economics degree from an Ivy League institution. Wow. But I guess I'm just that far left of school thought that the legislation should pass when majority legislators vote for it. Well, no, you're just not that bright. So I won't call you a radical. I'll call you a public school and a university failure because you can't make the distinction between 50-50. 41 
51-49, there's a majority. 60-40, that's a majority. 70-30 majority. 50-50, not a majority. The White House under the Manchurian cadaver, Bochi Jiden, the uh, deputy premier of the Chinese Communist Party from 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, has said that it will fall short of its July 4th goals on the jab. White House acknowledged that it would fall short of President Bochi Jiden's 4th of July jab goals, saying the country has more work to do to get younger Americans vaccinated. White House response coordinator Jeff Zients said the country would miss both of the president's goals, having 70% of adult Americans with at least one jab and 160 million Americans fully vaccinated by the 4th of July. Now, I won't go into the details of this, that, and the other because I'll fraudulently be accused of medical misinformation by the PUTU. But of course, one can go look up what Dr. Fauci has said about the jab. And we've already surpassed what he claimed was necessary, but we're still on this obsessive drive. Nothing against people getting the jab, just stating that we're being lied to on a daily basis and it's getting old. In New York City's mayoral race, Eric Adams, the front runner, former police captain, was out ahead by 10 points early in the race, coming back. And as a consequence, poor Andrew Yang withdrew from the race. Contender Andrew Yang, also a former presidential candidate, what a joke that was, announced Tuesday night that he'll end his bid for the job after coming in a distant fourth place. I'm a numbers guy, he said. Really? Ooh, was that an Asian stereotype? And I'm not going to be the next mayor of New York City based upon the numbers that have come in tonight. I am conceding this race. Well, nobody cares, Andrew Yang. Just like nobody cared about your idiotic guaranteed basic income. How the hell did you get involved in a business? I remember them touting you early in the Democratic campaign as, as a high-tech entrepreneur. I looked up what you did. That doesn't describe you at all, my friend. Anyway, Andrew Yang withdrew from the race. Eric Adams' need has, lead has dwindled. He's still in the lead now, but apparently it's going to take weeks before this is resolved. That's quite shocking. New York City can't count votes. Hmm. Well, it can count bodies of the people dying in the streets, courtesy of uh, the current blowhard Bill de Blasio, who sits at Gracie Mansion. Yeah, it can count the bodies being murdered every day in the city of New York. Adams takes a fragile lead in New York City Democratic mayoral race. Curtis Sliwa wins the GOP primary. Former presidential candidate Andrew Yang, who was far behind in early returns, conceded about two hours after the polls closed and vowed to work with the next mayor. Nobody cares. You're irrelevant. Go away. You have a smaller following than my new channel with just 1,000 subscribers. In the Republican primary, Guardian Angels founder Curtis Sliwa defeated businessman Fernando Mateo. And there's Eric Adams. Of course, one of his campaign workers was stabbed viciously a few days ago. Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams appeared to take a fragile lead in Tuesday's New York Democratic mayoral primary. But it could be weeks before it becomes clear who's actually on top in the first citywide election to use the ranked choice voting. Yeah, this is a bizarre situation where you pick your first, your second, your third, your fourth, your fifth candidate. You know, it's idiotic. You get one vote. You don't get multiple votes. This is moronic. This is what it's, again, deleting the value, undermining the vote. It's one man, and by man, I mean man or woman. One man, one vote. Not one man, okay, I, I want Eric one, I want Yang two, I want the guy three. No. And then you tally up, you get this many points for first and second. No, that's BS. Well, British and Irish Lions coach, former Wales uh, national side coach Warren Gatlin, has said that the Lions will not be hugging Japanese players. What? Is this another Asian hate crime? What's going on? <gasps> not hugging Japanese? Last year, Nancy Pelosi encouraged everyone in the midst of the pandemic to go hug a Chinese in the streets of San Francisco. Hug a Chinese. Don't be a racist. Of course, we all know what happened there. Hmm. Just saying. But Warren Gatlin says the British and Irish, player, Irish Lions players will not be hugging the Japanese. <laughs> no, it's not an Asian hate crime. Just prudent advice. <laughs> 
He's very, very aware of protocols. Four Scots and no Englishmen in the starting lineup. Warren Gatlin says, Hugging opponents will be off limits when the British and Irish Lions play their opening game against Japan at Murrayfield on Saturday. A game I really, really wanted to go to. I was hoping to go to Scotland. I've never been to Murrayfield. But not going to happen. Not going to happen. The touring squad is anxious to sidestep the self-isolation complications affecting the footballing plans of England and Scotland at the European Championship. Gatlin already has plenty on his plate before Sunday's flight to an increasingly stricken South Africa and could do without any squad members being forced to self-isolate for 10 days just as he is seeking to bring the best players from four nations closer together. Where the touring team will initially be based in Haltang, uh, odds are that the Lions are increasingly lengthy that they're going to be free of the pandemic. But the curtain raiser is the bizarre situation the British and Irish Lions tours who tour in the Southern Hemisphere having Japan visit them at Murray Field. Not exactly a British and Irish Lions tour, but that's what it is. And those are the headlines today, folks, on the non-existent fake uh, Asian hate crime. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Indaba Africa today, the 23rd of June, 2021. Appreciate your support. Stick with us. I'll be appearing later today on Ronaldo Hoss program, the South African.